we just came together for a weekend and we're like, maybe we're service designers. And that was the moment. And then we, we think Chris just registered the company and told us if we didn't show up on the 1st of January, then he'd do it on his own. Hello and welcome to Bringing Design Closer and this is 8CD. Our goal is to have conversations that inspire and help move the dial forward for organisations to become more human-centred in their approach to solving complex business and societal problems. Now before we jump in, I have a favour to ask. I've personally been creating content for This Is 8CD for nearly six years now, all for the love of sharing knowledge to the global design community. And one thing that you could do is leave a review, preferably a five-star one, as it helps grow our community and helps the findability of our podcast across the networks like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts too. And even if you don't have a chance to leave a review, you can go one better by just telling your friends or the people that you work with about This Is ATD. It helps us out so much, okay? Now, in this episode, I speak with Ben Reason, founding partner of LiveWork in the UK, and Ben has co-authored Service Design from Insight to Implementation on Rosenfeld Media, and also Service Design for Business, a practical guide to optimizing the customer experience, released in 2016. In this conversation, we chat about a few things, but mainly around Ben's own journey through design, starting at Liverpool in the mid-90s and his entry into the world of service design later on that decade with Live Work. Now, we chat about the work that Live Work do and also a new framework titled Three Velocities of Change. We want to understand what this means, where it originated, and also why this is so important, not only to Ben, but to the Live Work team. It's a great one. Let's jump straight in. Ben, it is fantastic to have you on the podcast. Thank long you for having me, fan, Jerry. Long time fan, first time caller. Um, you know, you've you've written some uh some of the seminal service design books. Um, and you're obviously founder of LiveWork, one of the um the pioneers of service design globally. But for our listeners, I've given you a bit of a, an intro there, but for our listeners, um, maybe describe what you do on a day-to-day basis um, and also where you're based as well. Yeah, so start with the easy one. I'm, I'm based in London um, day-to-day. So letting you kind of in on it a bit, um, I kind of finally took on being the boss at live work even though we've been around for 20 years but it's always been a sort of a joint effort and then i'm the last founder standing yeah um so it's a it's a relatively new role a couple two or three years in to doing that so it's a mix i work with the leadership team and kind of i am their line manager all these new terms that we have been introducing as we've grown up um i still do a lot of um you know, work in, in kind of business development work. And then a, it's a sort of a third, a third, a third, the final third being working with some of the project teams um, mm. or some of the teams, uh, and particularly around, you know, when we're pushing things a, a little bit. So, we, you know, we've been pushing what we're calling sustainable futures over the last few years. So when we've got projects mm. where we're doing something we haven't done before, I like to get involved. Yeah, and no, absolutely. Let's go back to um, let's go back to the start, if yep. you, if you don't mind. Like, so, what did you study in university? Because I know we spoke before about um, that whole kind of tr- transition period of coming out of university mm-hmm. and into a world. What did that world look like back then? Were, were people driving cars? Yes, <laughs> Any joke? Really... It wasn't that long ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, I graduated in '95 uh, yep. with a, a degree in fine art. So I um, yeah, I kind of came out with the with the uh, false notion that I was going to be an artist and rented a studio from one of my former tutors yeah and then found it very cold and lonely and realized <laughs> art school is great because you're full of like-minded people and you're kind of in this environment but when you're on your own uh, I realized I wasn't uh, I wasn't a sort of a lone wolf kind of worker and and I needed human human beings around me mm-hmm. um so I I <sighs> In that time, I was using, I, I bought a, a Mac with um, some money that I was left and was making animations with it that I thought were art. And yeah. I showed a friend and he said, oh, you could come and, you know, cut up JPEGs for us in our studio and help us make CD-ROMs. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of fell into to digital and then the internet through uh, a kind of a luck of timing. I always feel like if I was a few years younger, there would yeah. have been lots of design graduates who knew what they were doing but um 
we were kind of lucky in that sense in, the, in that the timing yeah where there was a sort of a there was a, an interest in, in the internet 95 was kind of an interesting windows 95 dropped as well of course yeah. that kind of was a bit of a game changer so what did that look like in terms of um strategic design because say the double diamond hadn't been created if you look at that as being a moment mm. from the design council so there was there was interest about using design but what did design look like in 95 when you when you finished as regards opportunities for design to evoke change so i think the the first job that i got that was more than um you know mac monkey work yeah. was with a um, kind of early stage company that was emerging out of the sort of marketing the, the the directors were from a marketing advertising background and they were exploring the internet so we were primarily making websites and actually digital advertising stuff um i don't think not particularly strategically it was um it was like that at that stage where you've got this new medium and you're trying to figure out if it's of any use to to the companies that you're working with and it it's kind of fascinating because they were, you know, we were working with all these brands who were just trying to put adverts on the internet and they, it was, it was kind of dumb, I think. And then I, we stumbled across the first thing that I felt was meaningful was we, we did some work for the Royal Automobile Club for the RAC in the yeah. UK, which is the breakdown insurance company where we were actually putting some services together, you know, like route finder services and other things that might actually support their members or, or, or motorists. So that was the first time I was like, oh, you could actually, you can use this for something interesting. Yeah. Um, and that that kind of steered me. So I did feel like at that time there was a career fork. I was working with these guys who were from, you know, proper, the Bartle Bogle Hegarty people who were like, and, and they were like, come and make ads with us. And then I was like, no, I think I want to make something that's actually useful and yeah. um, more like practical for for people. So that was, that couldn't have took me down a path into, you know, carrying on working with, with what we called web design at the time. Mm. Um, so your first introduction to service design, what did that look like? Because you know, I I probably had heard of service design in you know the mid two thousands, and and I'm keen to hear what your experience was around that period of where you saw yeah. the light. So this is the sort of live work foundational yeah. myth and truth. Um, so I, go, I was folks. Yeah, <laughs> it is a bit like that. I mean, I feel a bit yeah, bashful about it, but um, so I was working with um with this web company that was you know building websites and we were doing projects we built the first Ocado website and we built some websites for uh, you know some quite a few startups like a um real estate startup and so these were services that we were yeah. making or, or we get hired by a bank to try to put them on the internet and then um I met Chris Downs who was my fellow founder at LiveWork, um and we just hit it off and and had a lot of fun and also but we're also kind of fed up with the firm we were working with and it, mm. it was it was kind of a technology-led firm you know that was the bulk of their revenue so we we decided we sort of were like fantasizing about starting a design firm yeah and then we brought Lavrens over from Scandinavia who the, the two of them had been at the Royal College together okay at the same time I was doing a master's it was called responsibility and business practice so I was trying to figure out how to do something more yeah. meaningful and and around um you know ecological issues and i read a, a book that had a chapter that was about services and services being a way to drive drive resource efficiency a guy called amory lovins and paul hawkins so they were talking about things like car sharing and i was like oh that's that's like my in that's where i could be useful to this issue yeah. if i can make services that make us use less stuff in the world and create less waste yeah um, Lavins and Chris had been talking about the fact that they were both industrial design trained, but they'd always worked in the service sector. Yeah. So they were trying to, they were kind of having a designerly existential moment. And we just came together for a weekend and we we're like, maybe we're service designers. And that was the, yeah. the moment. And then when we, you know, I think Chris just 
registered the company and told us if we didn't show up on the 1st of January, then he'd do it on his own. <laughs> and we set off. So we, we were quite deliberately sort of saying this, you know, then we did our research. We found that there was, you know, there was service design, big at Marga in Cologne, then Showstack's mm. service blueprinting work that IDEO had done. But we were aware yeah. there weren't any firms that were service design pure kind of play. So yeah. we were on the early days. It was a very like, experimental try and prove that so this that is 2000, a thing. 2001, was it? That's right. Yeah. Yeah, it was around that period. So, you know, that, that whole kind of journey, um, I, I didn't really realize that your master's um, had such a sustainable um, perspective within it. Mm-hmm. And it kind of has emerged, as you said there, or alluded to maybe 10 minutes ago, it's kind of emerged out of the, uh, I guess, the brand, if you want, in the last four or five years. And it's kind mm-hmm. of permeating everything that LiveWork is doing. It's It kind of makes sense now if, you know, Chris and Lavrens have left and you're there now, it's kind of, it's it's Ben's baby and, and that stuff can, can effectively grow. So well, what are the challenges um, that you see from uh, the the existing world of service design at the moment? Like what's holding us back right. to to get to this point where we can actually start thinking about creating more ethical and sustainable yeah. services? I guess what's holding us back is we're just one part of the existing system, right? And we're mm. geared up to work within that system. So, I mean, there's been a lot of discussion and soul searching by designers about, you know, things that we design and the impacts that they have, the things, I guess the things that we make desirable um, and yeah. the, I guess the general alignment of design, especially, well, especially in a, in a kind of commercial setting with a consumer economy. So we're kind of part yeah. of that system. Um, so there's a bit of a, a recognition of that. And then I, I think the other interesting discussion going on is whether the concept of human centricity is part of the problem. If we're, you know, yeah. your prior, and, and if you go, I, I do kind of read a lot. And then, you know, if you talk, if you sort of dig, dig into some of the, the kind of more ecological thinkers, they will say something similar about how humanity has kind of separated itself from its environment as if mm. we're different as if we're kind of yeah. floating above it or as if we can just use it for our own ends and, and we've lost touch with our connections and our dependencies and and things like that yeah. so i guess you could you know human-centered design is part of the human humanistic worldview mm. that we're that we're in um so that is that answering your questions kind of holding us yeah no absolutely it's yeah it's it's kind of um the whole, the whole bigger question really is um if if that's what's holding us back what about the 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 work that you're doing at the moment around the three horizons yeah. and how do you see that that's going to you know sort of unlock an awful lot mm-hmm. of those resistance points um like for 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 maybe before we get into that let's talk yeah. about i'm calling it three horizons sorry but it's the three velocities is the proper term you can smack me um, so it's uh let's talk about where this came from first of all because yeah, you yeah. sent this to me a couple of months ago and i was like oh, okay this is yeah. this is pretty interesting so you, you rightly noted that um i guess this issue has been a concern of mine for a long time but it, it sort of yeah. went away and i found fa- i found the the world of sustainability which is kind of called um didn't have very many inroads for design it seemed to be a very technical world of kind of counting carbon mm-hmm. Um, emissions and so and it and you know we got distracted and did other things that live work but about probably 2018 there was a a combination of the, me wanting to push things forward but also quite a few of the younger lib workers coming and saying you know we can't what's our position on this you know i'm not happy to for us to pretend yeah. it doesn't exist and then um Extinction Rebellion kicked off in the UK and my partner was like, come and join me. I'm on a bridge, blocking a bridge over the Thames. <laughs> and I, I literally came from a client workshop with a, a folder full of you know, post-its and scribbles <laughs> from some kind of corporate brainstorm and ended up with all the, all the rebels the on the bridge, and, which was really catalyzing. Um, so there's that, there's, there was that, that was you were asking about kind of 
where it comes from. But um, I guess I found some of the, I think it's quite a big challenge for design. And I found some of the debate about, okay, so we just move from, um, this is not fair, but you kind mm. of move from human centricity to planet centric or something. Yeah. Doesn't quite answer the question for me about, you know, what do we actually do? And are we actually challenging, you know, do we have, it does, is design still relevant? You know, is, if it is, you know, if you think design comes from industrialization and the need to, you know, make these commodity products that are useful, usable and desirable, is it still relevant in a world where we need to challenge some of those thoughts? Yeah. So um, the, the three velocities is, uh, it's kind of an early stage concept for where we think live work can be useful to clients in, mm. I guess, the ecological transition. So the three things we're saying is the sort of the one velocity is understanding, which is probably a slow burn kind of mindset shift into a more ecological way yeah. of thinking. Another one is acceleration. So there are certain things we need to do really fast, like transition to renewable energies. And the third one is, is with, we're calling prepare, which is a bit more of a futures facing. There mm. are changes that we might need to be ready for that maybe we don't know if they're coming or not. Um, yeah. And, and in some ways, these three things are three things that I, you can see in the world. So you, if, you, if you sort of look at the world and how different groups of people are responding to, say, climate change, some people are saying, well, we need to get, we need to sort of philosophically change. Other people are saying, well, we just need to change technologies very, very fast. And, you know, we can answer yeah. this with technology. And other people are kind of prepping and going out and, you know, yeah. setting up new communities. So I, I quite like the idea that these things are, are disparate but actually they're all relevant and they are all different modes of kind yeah. of parallel thought um and just to finish off your question so i think there's still a question like where does what's the design role in here yeah so i i think we're we're feeling like the the understand thing is about retuning design empathy to think beyond human beings and start thinking about systems and, really. um and the accelerate be... is sorry no, no, I was just going to say on the understand piece, because yeah. the, when I initially saw it, I, I'm probably not the first person to say that. I was like, I'm a bit confused about the understand piece and why it looks like over time the effort mm. decreases. Yeah. Um, when typically, if you look at, you know, wicked problems, to use that term, the the closer you get to to the problem, it exponentially increases. And um, it, it shouldn't diminish the the amount of effort required to understand is my take on it and i was like yeah. okay i'm i might be missing something here and i'd love to be able to speak to ben about this and i was like oh thanks jerry so we did put this so jerry's referring to a graph that we have with which these i'll put a link velocities. in the show yeah and um the understand one does sort of start off intensively and then and mm. then become a kind of an ongoing thing and it might not be right. You're not the only person to question this. And I think, you know, the understanding might be something that actually builds over time. I, I, we're yeah. taking the feedback on. Um, I guess the, the thought was it's, it's probably a slower, you know, mind shift change doesn't happen so quickly. So it's probably an ongoing okay. slow burn kind of thing. But um, colleagues of mine were thinking it also needs to start with quite a kind of an intensive yeah. piece of work to understand like what is the, what is the situation? So yeah, you are. Yeah, okay. So you're on the money. Of, well, you know, we all love to be to be challenged, but yeah. um, let's talk about the accelerate piece, okay? Because you know, I'm interested in the use of language as well, mm. okay? Um, where did this come from? The term accelerate, and how how does it differ to say, um, d different different frameworks that and i guess it's not really a framework it's it, I'm, just, I'm interested to see why there's a need for speed i cannot believe yeah. i've said that phrase again because that's the third <laughs> podcast in a row i've quoted top gun <laughs> there you go so beyond it being exhilarating you mean <laughs> why is that yeah, you know yeah and wing I mean, and all that <laughs> yeah well you i mean the really simple answer is you've seen things like these reports around climate change is that there's only so long for a transition to Absolutely. take place. Um, mm. So, you know, the need to move from you know, a fossil energy system to a, a renewable energy system and the spe speed is is a critical factor. And I've 
you know, I think there's a guy called Alex Stefan, if anyone is interested in, in kind of ecological and design, he's an amazing writer. And he's mm -hmm. been talking about, you know, speed being as important as the change, you know, like late is, okay. late is also a problem. It's not like, I guess, other transitions where the, the deadline is, is less um, critical. But also it's quite interesting because we've been you know, a part of this has come from observing work that we've been doing with clients. Um, mm -hmm. And we've worked with some car manufacturers who are on that electric vehicle transition. Yeah. And, you know, there are deadlines from government about when they have to stop making petrol cars. Mm. And the feel, the, the kind of the urgency that you can feel from them is quite different from other work we've had. Um, and the other part of it is, is a sort of a need to really focus and not do a whole load of stuff that you might normally do. You know, like there's some real basics that need to be put in place and you can't, what we've seen on some of those projects as well as we're used to kind of all of these additional features and kind of, so if I give you an example, like a, a kind of electric vehicle transition, do you really need a loyalty program that goes with that? Or do you just really want to focus on the core business, which is supporting people to adopt a different kind of vehicle? That's, I think, the thing. Um, okay, so um, the bit that I'm kind of, I understand, I don't want to say the need for speed again, but I understand yeah. acceleration, okay, like an, an accelerate is there. Is there a, um, some sort of an innov innovation loop happening whereas you can test the, the hypothesis, the prototypes, and get them out and get that feedback loop and, and build on it, like, is that what I'm seeing here in terms of it being a cyclical process or is it just a case of getting that, that massive change and doing it quicker? I think, I think that's where we've been discussing it for everyone. This is early stage kind of hypothetical yeah. um, thoughts, but we're, we're kind of hoping that the prepare work pops out things that then become accelerated when the timing is is right so okay for an organization to accelerate something it has to be very clearly the right thing to do um whereas there are lots of unknowns and kind of maybes around there so i think the the, the prepare work is probably going to have a lot of ideas in it that sit there and one thing mm. we've been discussing in terms of innovation is for my colleague yelta sort of said it's not so much kill your darlings anymore it's like chill your darlings and wait for the right time yeah, i love that isn't that good <laughs> oh yeah yeah, yeah. that yeah. you should make t-shirts with that okay um we'll that's, do that that's cool that, that gets the reaction going from me we can but, wear them at all the geeky conferences and i mean like as you said like this is a um it's an exploratory piece mm. um uh, that you're doing and i i guess at this stage what are you hoping to achieve by putting this out into the wild is, is conversation one of them? Because we're here talking about it is, is one thing. Yeah, and sort of pull ourselves forward in some way and, and but also provide a framework where we can um, we can kind of look at the work we're doing in this space and say, what's the balance that we, that we need? Um, we've done one piece of work which has kind of touched all three where we've looked at this sort of, so creating a, a community of practice around design for sustainability within an organization. So you've got that kind of understand piece going on and then then they're prioritizing certain things that they're taking forward, but they're also thinking longer term, like what's our compass? So useful to sort of codify something that was, let's say, a you know, an early hmm. indicative methodology. But yeah, and, and, and obviously we're trying to match something we can do with something that organizations need so there's a commercial yeah. aspect to it one of the things that struck me um ben and this is not me being anyway facetious is the is the work that you're doing now and how it seems to have matched the design culture okay so the the culture mm. that you've built over the last 15 20 years okay it's I don't know what it was like uh in 2010s and stuff but it seems that there's been careful curation happening around the people that I've spoken to because there's been a number of live workers that I've spoken to over the last couple of months. How have you managed this in terms of um, the hiring process mm. and how do you maintain the design culture? Because as you said, they came to you in 2018 and they go, what's our position on this? Like, you know, how are we going to respond to these things? Mm -hmm. And it sounds like in somewhat the employees have risen 
yeah. and, um, they've they've kind of asked the questions and you've responded. Um, I'd love to get your thoughts about what you've done to enable that design culture, because I think a lot of people will be really interested in that. And especially if you're now able to, as you say, go into the final third and convert that into yeah. meaningful work. Yeah. You know, I think that's a tricky question. It's like, you know, initial self-reflective element of it. Um, what do I know? So I think, I think we've always been encouraged a, a kind of an openness about, mm. you know, so there's no, there aren't particular, there aren't kind of, we don't shut down people's questions or doubts or, or things either generally, you know, over time, people, you know, and, and I, I guess it also starts with me. I mean, I've always been, this, this is something I've talked about all the time. Um, mm. So it's not, it's a kind of an, an open door. Um, on a more formal formal side, and actually to answer, sort of address your earlier question about like what the challenge is to the design world, we did kick off a process last year that's taken most of the year. We did sort of deliberately um, taken our time around like just renewing or updating LibWorks purpose statement or we didn't have one we had kind of different mission vision stuff but we was like okay what's the company purpose and had a lot of conversations around it and uh, the first time we kind of opened the discussion and i think i scared everybody by sharing some sort of more bleak eco thoughts including this guy alex stefan but there was there was there's a sort of a, a fear factor involved here about stepping into the unknown you know i think yeah. we all we all swim in this human centric water and it's second nature and, and it's, mm. you know, it's kind of how, how we define who we are to some extent. So to sort of say, well, we're going to do, you know, it's like, do I need to go back to school or do yeah. I need to challenge my clients in a different way that I'm not used to? And I'm not sure if I've got the data or the, you know, the gravitas yeah. to do that. Um, so that's, that, you know, fear is always just sort of something that holds you back, isn't it? Um, so I, Deliberate. I mean, that's the one thing I can say we've done over the last year to deliberately say this is a collective thing. You're not on your own. You yeah. know, we've talked about saying we're going to have this kind of, you know, the sustainability lens is something that we bring to all projects, even if the client says, well, that's not relevant for now. Um, and also we've been running a, a kind of sustainable futures in stealth mode. So we've picked a few clients where we've said, Let's just have the conversation in the background. Yeah. And if you feel comfortable, you can see whether some of these questions are relevant. And it's been really successful, actually. So, it's, you know, we work with with some clients where we haven't been, this hasn't been part of the brief or the contract that we've had. You bring them in. We, we bring it in. And actually, in terms of, I think part of what's, what's important is being figuring out where are our kind of spaces where we do have permission and value. So mm. we're not that we don't, we've, deliberately said we're not the people who have to shout and scream at companies and say you know you need to sort your shit out and yeah and stuff they you know most firms will have some kind of statement and yeah intent but it really needs translating into what they actually do and then mm. you know all of the difficult bit which is the more I yeah think, it does design seem, space I, i'm seeing a pattern between you know the founding of live work and where you're at now like in terms of Chris Townsend, I've registered the domain, you show up for work here now, and, and then yeah, you yeah. go find the work. And 2018, you know, change happens, you know, founders, whatever. Yeah. And now you're at that point again, where it's like, there's there's a, an element of, I don't want to say risk taking, but, but you're, you're, you're kind of, you're happy to, to throw it up in the air somewhat and just saying, well, this is what we believe in. Like, like you did way back in 2000, 2001 mm -hmm. saying, this is what we believe. We, we, we see this and now you see it now. Okay. Um, in terms of your preparedness for the next 10 years, where do you see the critical skills being within live work and what, what are you doing to, to kind of um work with that yeah so i like that observation jerry i think we you know it's almost our strengths and our weaknesses we're always yeah. like looking at the next thing and you know being a kind of um yeah we it's always like oh that's an interesting challenge we're not very good at rinse and repeat which is also yeah you know a business I, I, I picked that up a business challenge um so the things with i think 
we're on with another thing which we've been doing for quite some time now um is is deepening our ability to work with the organizational change so we had yeah. i think probably 10 years ago we had a challenge from clients it's like we love the stories you tell about what you know the services we could create in the future but you know the machinery doesn't work like that and we're yeah. like i don't understand your machinery so we've been <laughs> like we need to understand the organizational you know dynamics people process systems stuff and we've that, so that's something um and that i mentioned marcia to you and and angela and you know we've built, brought in a lot of people and, and deepened yeah. that a lot so i think the ability to work with organizations is almost the material of design just yeah. carries on um so that would be one thing and then the other thing i think is being able to engage with these the, the kind of the systems and understand at a system level what what dynamics are going on you know if we have an organization and it's in a, it's in a policy context it's in a market context you know mm. so what that's something that we've seen we need to do with any of these sustainability challenges is is you know understand what's pushing and pulling mm. everything around um beforehand so yeah. You can't you can't just go and talk to a, a bunch of users and come up with solutions. I think is, is what we're learning. But but I'm seeing like within within LiveWorks, um, I guess DNA, and within the team structures, there's there's roles there that are non if you want design like there, there's no like there's sustainability experts and there's so forth. Like you're you're really, it's like you're, you're building a different kind of a team, um, and that's. I'm saying different compared to other typical A consultancies right. um, that would be pitching for service design work that might just have design research, interaction design. It seems that there's there's a there's a different formula and a different approach happening. Uh, and I'm keen to understand like, is there something beyond this that you're you're hoping to see the rest of the design world catch up to? Because I believe like what you're doing at the moment is is really interesting. Um, and you're able to do what a lot of businesses wish they could do, take the risk, um, hire, you know, people who, um, in my mind, probably make the best designers, they're, they're mm -hmm. non-design trained. Right. Um, and you're able to bring the work in, uh, and, and work in interesting projects. Um, is that a fair assumption or have I, have I completely missed the mark? I, I think you, I think you've, uh, you've, you've, Shined it. I mean, it, it sounds. I'm not sure if it's uh, if it's 100 percent true. I think um, mm. we feel sometimes, you know, we're quite concentratedly designed, but it is a very, it's quite a broad, you know, more of a strategic design than the, um, you know, we're we're definitely not in the in that kind of specialism that you were describing in certain ways. Yeah. Most of the team are quite broad, and you know, we have been it's less a case of bringing in a sustainability expert and more a case of allowing a, a really good strategic design mind to mm. broaden into a space that so we have, you know, we have another designer who's focusing on the relationship between service design and urban environments. And okay. know, so, so it's, um, that's probably more the, the approach we're taking. Yeah. Cause we, you know, I'm, I'm aware that, you know, there's a lot of trends out there that I think we're not, we're not definitely not leading around, you know, bringing design and, business skills together and things like that there's yeah, yeah. so t typically um whenever you're you're asked to uh to come into businesses um what are the kind of things that they can expect to have happen when live work uh arrive in into the space and I'm assuming there's there's permission to play as we'd say like you know how has your approach changed over the last five to ten years? Um, to the sort of two questions: what can they ex what can they expect, and what can they expect, and, and what has changed? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a client feedback at you for the what to expect because it so we, it was just very satisfying. <laughs> uh, recently, we're told that you know we they they felt like they they got the kind of the collaboration and the, well, I guess they didn't get the arrogance of a consultancy, but they didn't get the, I will just do what you say from an agency. They got the kind of the right level of challenge, but also the right okay. level of like proactiveness. So I think you can, the main thing I would suspect is you, you know, you're, you get a team that is wants to work with you 
to yeah. to kind of fit into where you are, but also to push it forward in in ways that are useful and not and you know not annoying. Um, and then you can expect you know research mm. and workshops and prototypes and the fun just stuff. Design, fun stuff, yeah. I mean, um, I was how, great. Go ahead. How it's how it's changed. I think I've, I've sort of mentioned in a way how it's changed is we will do a lot. You know, we'll go a lot more into understanding the organization than we than we would have done quite years done before. Yeah. So it, it seems like live work um, is at a point. Okay, whereas a lot of organizations um, mightn't be at that point. Okay, they mightn't. They might have spoken about you know sustainability. Yeah. yeah. They might have kind of you know, realized that oh, okay, a change is afoot. Um, you know, we might need to do something about that. Organizations typically are a lot slower to respond. Um, and when you bring service design in, it sounds like there's some deeper work going on, some deeper organizational work um, done by yourselves when you're in there. It it takes a certain type of practitioner to be able to facilitate facilitate those conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, something that really um, takes it takes a, a special type of character as well. And I'm going to lean on a conversation where I had with, with Melissa Nova, who created a book called This Human a number of years ago. And I was chatting to Melissa the other day. Um, and those design characters, um, to quote Melissa's new book um are really hard to find i feel mm. i feel like and it's it's making sure that when they go into those organizations a lot of those conversations happen outside of the boardroom mm-hmm. they're not happening at the presentation pieces mm. like when you're leaving the live work dna within the organization and they're having these conversations and slowly they're permeating into the the fabric of that organization what i'm really keen to hear is because i've i've spoken to some very impressive people in live work and again i'm not I have no ties to live work, but I found them to be very impressive. I'm really keen, and I, I kind of touched on it before about how you're handling the design culture. Okay, mm. and um, I want to understand: is is there something there that you can talk to other people about how they can ensure that they're hiring for the right design character? Mm. It's a hard think, question. Yeah, it is a hard question. Um, I think. Yeah, because it's not just skills this is the thing like you can do a service design course um and learn a lot of the the methods that we use and stuff but there's something beyond that yeah so i i'm gonna i sort of latching on to you saying the live work dna so we did Hmm. when we started the company we and, and we always have sort of ever since been as interested in service as design and and what we found you know and if you know, sort of early on from reading the literature there you know, there's so much more um, literature about product and production than there is services. And that the idea of like how services are productive is, is still kind of services are like the, the poor cousin in a way in, in, in the industrial yeah. world. So I, th- I think you'll, you see a lot of design, which is, um, I guess heavily weighted on the design, and we do have a culture which is really interested in service. Um, mm. So, and the idea that reorienting a company to think about the services they produce, or them actually being a service company. Mm. So, I, I mean, some of my my most satisfying work has been where that's been successful. You know, where you've you've kind of gotten to see ah, you know, it's not just mm. about the products. It's how do you get people there? How do you help them? choose the right one and how do you support them to get the most out of it you know um and when you say that that kind of the kind of people and the kind of culture i'm just thinking we've had a team that's been working with the british parliament on on the services that are provided to to politicians and their staff you know so basically kind of in a way plonky services like it support and but yeah. also you know archiving and these these things and and our big win is getting them to think of themselves as a service provider and to orientate how they structure what they do yeah. around those services and that shifts them from like throwing a throwing together bits of it and disparate uncoordinated yeah. siloed activity so I'd, I'd say that's it in a way for me the culture is like because if you start if you're just about design then you're mainly about your method yeah and and if but if you're about service you know, you're also about the design object. You're really concerned with like this thing and what it is and what, you know, what mm. makes it f- 
function in the same way that you you know if you're a you know if you're a fashion designer you're all you know you're all about that garment and yeah i love that i I love the separation it's i've had a similar conversation with a few people um over the last couple of years about that and it's it's really true like i think the service design practice is in love with the design side of things and we sometimes we forget that we're actually believe it or not designing service so um it's a it's really refreshing to hear that and it it is a it's nice it's a really great question for you because it helps to clarify because there is also you know there's this culture out there of around d- digital product and yeah and, uh, we were having a we've had quite a few discussions about like how do these things work together you're seeing companies adopt digital product kind of mm. mindset language process and that's really important because you know they want to ship these things and you need that kind of production methodology and mindset mm-hmm. so um luis in south Sao paulo and i put this thing out so what is the relationship between these two things i don't you know service isn't always the answer but it's our it's kind of our answer in a yeah way. absolutely so where is your own personal um journey going in the next five years because you know it, it i can almost trace a line between your own personal growth and LiveWorks growth mm-hmm. and also the employees growth because you, I think you're attracting a certain type of um, practitioner in, into the business. Who are you reading at the moment and um, what are you hoping to learn in the next five years then? Gosh. Um, so I, I can do a bit of a plug here. So I, I, with the ecological stuff, I've been reading a, a philosopher called Timothy Morton. And okay. um, we're going to have a book club on LinkedIn as an experiment where we'll discuss nice. this book he's written called Being Ecological. Um, so he he's kind of informed some of that thinking about how the, you know, he this, this book he talks about how the whole shock and awe kind of ecological fear thing is not necessarily a, a useful way to mm. <laughs> approach things. Um, so I guess that I'm... I'm, I feel like, you know, I could say, you know, that my journey is, is along those three philosophies. That would be neat and tidy, wouldn't it? So there's an understanding yeah. journey and uh, et cetera, et cetera. Be too salesy though, Ben. We wouldn't yeah, do that. it would be terrible. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm still learning about this, this role, um, you know, and, and I think we really need to learn. There's a lot of learning about on the back of, of this mm-hmm. early thinking, you know, to, I'm really excited about this, this kind of like it is a hypothesis for us at the moment and having, it does feel like a new lease of life for me. It was very exciting early on with Live Work where we said that these are the, this is what we think service design is, but we need to prove it. You know, we need to sell it. We need to see the community grow. So I I kind of feel like I'm at that point again. So there's there's definitely a bit of me that wants to be more practitioner again and think about how. There's probably a, a sense of unlearning as well. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I'm, I'm hearing, and I'm, you know, doing pseudo therapy. <laughs> but there's a certain amount of unlearning, I think, for all of us, um, is what I'm hearing from from the industry as regards what we need to do as practitioners for the next five years, in particular, because yeah. it's not going. These challenges are only going to, um, you know, get bigger and bigger as the years go years go by. Um, what do you think? Um, what do you think in terms of the, the the people coming into the business? What are the skills that you feel that you're going to need, like outside of yourself? Um, so if, if there's anyone from academia or education that are producing new talent, I'm really keen to hear your thoughts on, on what they should be doing more to cultivate excellence. Because obviously, you know, over the last decade or so there's MAs of service design mm-hmm. there's a lot more of those um and, and from what I'm I'm understanding from a lot of those master's courses they create really talented people mm-hmm. um but there's something beyond that that we need to maybe consider yeah just um try to re- I'm remembering I was I haven't done any any teaching on the master's courses for a, a while for a while but um it's it's a good question. I think there still seems to be like a. I think the really interesting stuff is when it's multidisciplinary. Um, mm, so absolutely. I, I I loved it. There was tutoring at the Royal College of Art, and there was a project that they did, which was between 
service design, automotive design, and the engineering teams at Imperial. Mm. So I guess learning how to work, I mean, it's in a way, it's kind of, you know, these um, 21st century skills agenda around project-based and collaboration. Yeah. You know, um, so I, if you run a, a service design, I always felt like the best projects were the ones which were kind of done like student projects in the wild and the students yeah. were learning how to work alongside well, you know, an actuary or a nurse or an engineer or, you know, so yeah. that, um, and there is something, you know, that like one of the hardest things I find with what we do is just, you know, is the, is the facilitation, the clever of, of collaboration. How do you do that? And how might you do that at a, so, you know, we can do that at team level and we try and do that within an organization. How do you do that at a sort of multi, organizational level how might you have a like in s- collaboration at a, at a next system level of scale yeah. um we, we've had yeah that, that would be it's sort of i think the dream that's where the work needs to go and you know if you look at um some of the the stuff the kind of new trends in design like this idea of mission-driven innovation you know yeah. how do you how does the design support that as you know, kind of a key facilitator yeah. of those kind of challenges. Okay. There's there's a whole host of things that we could probably go a little bit deeper on here, but I just want to ask w- w- one last question because, you know, in 2001, you were, you know, reading an awful lot about um, the emergence of service at that point. And now we're at the point and we're 2023 here and we're recording this and we're, we're kind of at a crossroads you know, in terms of, of how we operate moving forward. What what have you changed in your own life um, over the last, say, number of years? Just I'm interested because you're, you're more well-read than I am. You're more experienced in sustainability than I am. And, you know, from speaking to Jerry McGovern, who's a very good friend of mine. Who, oh, great. Yeah. I'd love to know, um, and again, you might kind of go, I'm, I'm still a work in progress. I haven't done yeah. enough. <laughs> but I'd love to hear in terms of um, stuff that you maybe carried through into the business as well and maybe made cuts in certain parts or maybe you added things or things like that. So do you mean like at a, at a kind of personal lifestyle level? Or? Personal lifestyle level, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm actually, so I feel like I'm in a fortunate position and I, I have this building sense that like let's say that you know if you the global 10 percent richest people yeah in the, which includes us consume something like 50 percent of the world's resources so yeah. there's an interesting debate about you know is it personal responsibility or system level but i think if you're in that group you you and you have the ability to make economic choices then you you should do things and it's also a way to learn so mm. and without feeling like bragging i I'm very lucky we moved house last year and it was a full renovation. So we managed, we've got a heat pump and a, oh, nice. uh, there is no gas in the house. So it's a fossil free zone, which is really, you know, that's feel, awesome, yeah. it's very good for the, uh, for the sort of um, self image. Um, I'm afraid I, I bought a car in the pandemic. <laughs> I did. I was, I was kind of proudly car free and a car club user for a long time, but yeah. Um, You've you've bought a car. I yeah, mean, like I, I know a number of people who've made huge sacrifices and sold houses and downsized and right. um, become free of of that. Um, but I'm really interested. Like for, for me in my own personal journey, I still we still have two cars in our house. Okay, it's really difficult. Mm. We've got two young kids, both under six. Yeah. Um, and I've challenged my local council about this stuff. I've asked them, saying, "Hey, listen, look." you're talking about on one hand um you don't want me to use my car i said but there's no public services yeah. for me to get from a to b in terms of the schools and i could probably buy a cargo bike but um for anyone who's been to ireland uh, yeah. recently at the moment or specifically dublin they're going through a huge transformation in the bike lanes at the moment and i just don't feel safe enough to bring my yeah. two young kids out in the bike so my Good yeah. for you, because I think stepping out of your own decisions and being politically active around it and helping um, talk about it. Really... The other thing I've done, which is is definitely a luxury, uh, you know, economic luxury. We we've been traveling by train in Europe, which, oh. which was it good? 
can mean a two-day trip to go and see the grandparents in Denmark. Um, but yeah, it's good. It's good. It's two expensive. days. I know um, Joe, who wrote Engineering, um, and, and yeah, yeah. Joe told me about a... Um, where was he going? He was, he was going to Dundee from, from yeah. Stockholm because I, I met him in Dundee and he was That's like, right. yeah, ne- never again. <laughs> yeah. It took him like, you know, a week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how long it took him, but he did it. Um, and I know a number of people who've, I think if you're in mainland Europe, things become a little bit more easier. So I am going to, I'm going to sell it actually. So what my emerging concept. So we went to Venice right. in the summer via Amsterdam, Munich, and then through the Alps on the train. And we had a, a four-hour break, roughly, in Amsterdam and Munich. So I, I'm going to coin the phrase micro-break, micro-city break. Right? So you, you have just long enough to kind of walk through the central streets and eat yeah. something and or, or go and see an exhibition even, um, and then get back on the train again and using the sleeper train. Um, yeah. And then we did go that route because you can go through the Alps on the from Munich on the to train, which would be amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, as but I said, it, 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 we did on the way back. We were in that heat wave, so it was like forty <laughs> degrees on the train, and it was kind of hard work. So you were sitting there looking out the window, kind of going, "Could it be an air-conditioned airplane here?" <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, well, look, Ben, you know. I've covered off all my my kind of questions here, and this you're off the hook. I'm only joking. Yeah. Um, it was really, really good finally chatting to you, um, and thank you for being so open and honest about a lot of the questions. As you see, some of them come from, but I really enjoyed speaking with you. So, so thanks so much for giving me your time. If people want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do that? I know we've got a type form link that. I'm going to throw a link in the show notes Brilliant. for people to follow up and get involved with um, the the three, not the three horizons. Velocities, yeah. <laughs> three velocities. Um, so I'll put a link to that one in the show notes. But if people want to get in touch with you directly, what's the best way for people yeah, to do that? I'm, I'm pretty open on LinkedIn. I think that's the easiest way to, to yeah. find me. and Throw a link to that one in the show notes. Link, as well. yeah, I'll also link to Live Work as well to, yeah. to check out where you guys are at, like, you know. Ben, thanks so much. Thank you. There you go, folks. I hope you enjoyed that episode. And if you enjoyed it and want to listen to more, why not visit thisishcd.com where you can learn more about what we're up to and also explore our courses whilst you're there. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>